Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is John Sarno here from the Expansive Podcast, sitting in Dubai. And today we're going to be talking about this concept of a workation, the ability to move around the world, travel, play, and work all in one seamless process. It was spurred on by a post I made a couple of weeks back that has been seen close to 100,000 times on LinkedIn. And it really got Eric and I speaking and thinking about how this is obviously such a hot topic. And Eric and I made a rule that we would never have a guest on our show. And all of a sudden, we now have a guest on our what? show because the topic we are speaking about is very much what this man actually lives like I do. But before I bring our surprise guest online, Eric, <laughs> my ever handsome and elegant partner there in Joburg, how are you, brother? Dude, I'm uh, extremely well, extremely excited for today. I mean, it's the first guest outside of Axel being on the show, right? Because, <laughs> of course, if everybody's not he's Axel, a regular he's on the show. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, he is a regular on the video call with you and me. But uh, yeah, he hasn't, we're still waiting for him to speak some words of wisdom, but uh, we wait for that. Listen, he has a lot of opinions. He just doesn't like to air them in public. Um, so. <laughs> I saw you were on Instagram on a race with him. He looked like he was very frustrated with you. You were really slow. You were trying to win, but uh, something was lagging him back. Was that you? Listen, not trying to win. We won. And uh, oh, oh, I was. Yes, <laughs> I was saying to you that it was so strange because we were driving there. So it's a, it's a thing called Muddy Puppy and it's essentially a warrior race for dogs. So like an obstacle mm. course for dogs. Uh, it's two kilometers long and you uh, like there's inflatables that you have to scale over. There's mud that you have to sort of get through. And then there's a swimming component. And this dog just has one speed. Like he just goes full speed. And then he has like this 95 kg weight at the back that he has to pull. Yeah, called Eric like, Kruger. Called Eric Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> like an anchor. <laughs> yeah. But we were, we were driving then. I was well thinking, done. you know, it's, um, we're going to go and have a good day. It's going to be fun. We're just going to take it easy. And like you step onto the soil and you're like, we winning this. We're going to win. Like we're yeah. taking this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another like, great saying, I, I often say it, it's like, there is no competition unless I'm losing. Then there's a competition. Yeah. It's only no competition if I'm winning. Otherwise, then it's, uh, it's okay. Okay, so Eric, I mean, um, well done on winning the race. Uh, yes, Eric and you. I also launched uh, the Expansive Podcast and now the Expansive Advisory Strategic Partnership between mm -hmm. Eric and I, helping organizations understand the future and then build the teams of, um, needed to be able to bring that uh, sort of future vision into fruition. So congratulations to you, Eric. Uh, how does it feel to be to part of... Uh, <laughs> how does it feel to be part of the expansive advisory strategic partnership? Yeah, listen, I think it was inevitable coming from the podcast and also just from our approaches to the content and the, and the challenges of the future and the challenges that businesses are facing and individuals really. And it's been, we've said this before, but, you know, expansive, the, the phrase that we use to, to name this podcast has really sort of manifested in so many other ways. And I think that's just, this has sort of been the next step of that. What did you think of the event? Because we had our event, by the way. Um, it went well. We're getting some pictures. I just spoke to the videographer. He sent him us some video as well. What did you think? How did it go? I think it was excellent. Um, it was great to have a fireside chat and not just uh, presenting a talk as usual. 
And I think that Q&A is always the best learnings. And uh, that was a great to meet everybody that listens to the podcast. And uh, the next one we'll have will be in Cape Town and then after that in Dubai. And so I think this will be something that we need to bring to uh, people that are listening to the podcast, the high touch angle of it. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was also nice to be on stage with you. And there were some pertinent questions or some questions I had no idea people were asking. I don't know what they meant, but everything else was really good. eh? (laughs) How was it for you? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think we had some teething issues, which were just, uh, you know, logistics, but it wasn't the worst. In fact, I saw the, I saw the MD of WeWork the next day. I told him about it. Oh, really? And he was really upset by it. Yeah, he was upset. Mm. He didn't realize that there was an issue. So yeah, I did tell him that the speakers and the mic wasn't working that well. But mm. either way, let's get to today's topic, Eric. Will you intro our guest for us? Because you guys have had a, a long-standing relationship and he's sitting yes. right there next to you looking handsome as ever. So, well, uh, look, I mean, uh, I love it that we all call each other handsome all the time. If nobody else is going to do it, we might as well do it ourselves. <laughs> so, look, Eric and I, when we first started planning this podcast, we said, you know, what we do to be different is like, let's not do interviews. Most podcasts are interviews. Let's talk about topics that we're researching and thinking about that could help people be more expensive. But also what started happening is that every time we post something or if we make a video and it has a great reaction, we want to then focus in on that topic because we believe then that that topic is something that people want to hear about. And so, like I said, when we opened up the podcast, as we sort of shared this concept around me working around the world now, and it's a sort of intention. I had when I got divorced a couple of years ago and now it's really happening you know now I'm in different countries I've already been in six different countries I've got another 11 to go just over the next few months and so this has become my reality while I can earn dollars and why while I can you know live a really good life and so we decided to do the podcast around it and lo and behold I have my friend Mark Sham hello Mark hello yes welcome Mark so Mark without planning this anywhere in the past is staying with me and we had planned to do this podcast and Eric and I schedules busy. And it somehow landed that this afternoon at this time would be the time that we speak about this workation concept. And Mark is staying with me in a workation as my life is. And both of us on this workation, we thought what a perfect time to have somebody give us his angle of what he's up to and how he's living this life and how he's built it. And then mm. I'll share mine. And then Eric, um, you can also ask some questions because you have a dog and a house and a wife. And so those things are very different to somebody who's on a workation. Yeah, I disagree, but I'll tell you about that more. Oh, wow. Okay. Does your wife know you disagree, though? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, but I get it. Okay, so let's get going with Mark. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about who you are for the listeners who don't know who you are, and tell us about the lifestyle you've been leading for the last sort of year and a half or so, and tell us how it got there, but get going. All righty. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Mark. This is really awesome. Thank you for having me. I feel very uh, privileged to be able to help break the rules of your podcast. Uh, That's particularly exciting to me. Uh, The short version of my life is that I am a fellow speaker. And so uh, I spend an enormous amount of time running in the same circles as John and Eric do. And on top of that, I run an organization called Suits and Sneakers uh, in South Africa. A few people would know about it. Uh, We run TED Talk-like events all around the country. Um, And I've really got a a heart for trying to to move the world forward like John and Eric. Uh, In the last... Uh, three or four years, I have equally intended very heavily on my heart to move um, abroad, but not leave South Africa, just have multiple bases. And so as we speak, I live in London. Uh, I'm very proudly enjoying my time in London, but I come back to South Africa about once a week. Sorry, uh, once a month for about a week. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of what John is doing. And so, for example, the reason I'm in Dubai as we speak is um, I, I have a tradition or we had a tradition that when John was still living in Cape Town, that I would stay by his house and we were just due for a catch up and I wanted to see Dubai again and, and work around the world. And so here I am uh, with my brothers uh, who I'm very close to these gents. And uh, as you say, the, the stars align for us to be able to talk about um, vocations. So Mark, tell us about what your lifestyle looks like. How do you build a life that gives you the ability to move? Firstly, uh, what does the structures look like? And then what do those intentions actually look like? So we can get some sort of granular detail around it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you, I want to take you back a step because where this really came about was about five or six years ago, I actually remember coming to Dubai for the first time. And I just left feeling like there's so much else out there that you're not wrong for, for wanting to explore everything that's out there. You know, you see it a lot with people who are born – in, a, in an inner city, but when they go to the coast, they just feel alive. So I, I think this notion that just because you're born somewhere, that's, that's where you have to stay or that's where home is, it's false. That's old. Uh, John, you and I landed up going to New York about three years ago together for two weeks, and uh, we met the most incredible people. I don't mind name dropping this one, for example. We landed up <laughs> having breakfast with Larry King yes. and, and some other interesting people. Scaramooch. Scaramooch. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> and so the, the point of dropping the name is that what I realized back then was that there's something about the proximity of being close to where the action is happening. So like you, after that trip, it really stuck with me that this is something I wanted to do. I, to be honest with you, it took quite some time because when you have a traditional life and now you want to start shifting, it doesn't happen immediately. So it did take about three years of really building it and intending it. Um, these days, really, the thing that enables this is partially how I've changed from what I used to do to what I do now and that I come from a marketing background. I got into speaking more and more, but I can run these events also collectively from anywhere around the world. Technology is the great enabler of these things. The fact that we are able to have this podcast together where uh, two of us are sitting in Dubai, one of us is sitting in South Africa. We could even do this three-way if I was sitting in London. That's the enabler of technology. So that's certainly been powerful. But to be honest with you, I think it's mostly getting your head around the mentality of being nomadic. And that for a lot of people is hard because we have a lot of stories in our heads that we tell ourselves about how this kind of thing works. I'm so glad you said that, Marcus. <clears throat> I think it's the redefinition of success. And I think that for the longest time, our concept of success was the linear way of being successful. And especially us all growing up in Johannesburg, the concept of success was your car, your house, your watch, your holidays, and your businesses. And that's kind of what you lived with, you know? I remember reading the four-hour work week, and one of the chapters was called Convertible Red BMW. And in the chapter, Tim Ferriss talks about these poor sods that live in a city that make money to pay for their cars so they can drive around on the weekends and look cool. And I read that, and I had a M3 convertible sitting outside my house costing me 15,000 rand a month back then and I thought to myself this guy is mocking me and I agree with him I was like what am I doing here with my life I'm putting all this money into my sort of very microcosm of looking cool and not actually exploring out and the four-hour work week was really the beginnings of me understanding there was another way to live life and that was 11 years ago and so really to get your head around the fact that you can be traveling working having fun earning good money, and that's the thing, is that you think you have to give one up for the other. 
you think you have to kind of like, okay, well, I'll take less money to be able to live in a workation mindset where I can work with my flip-flops or on the beach or wherever I am in the plane. So really the thing is, I think mindset becomes the most important thing for us to redefine success and understand it that in the state of the world that we live in, the ability to be technology enabled, to be able to work with people across borders, to be able to build a personal brand that people see before you meet them gives us the opportunity now to live real nomadic lives that gives us the opportunity to travel around as mm. much as possible and also earn a good living so the, the, there's so many pros there are some cons that we'll get into at the moment but uh, before i carry on uh, eric anything from you bro yeah so let me quickly tell you so i don't disagree with what you were saying in the beginning like if you talk about a vocation would the definition of that be that you've created a life where you feel like you're working, but you're also just enjoying every moment of it. Like, is that essentially what you're trying to say? Because it's not really about the traveling part of it, right? Well, look, I, I agree. I agree. You're right. I mean, look, what we're discussing here between you and I now is if you, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's kind of what we're saying, right? For me, the vacation of the workation is the part that you can travel. And okay. so I think, I think we're both right. I don't think we, it's just the travel aspect of it. I think where you are anchored, which is awesome. And this is one of the cons that I want to get to because I made a video, video recently about loneliness and the concept around loneliness. And we'll dive deeper into loneliness because there is a con into this lifestyle and there's a pro and we have to be able to become realistic about what you're giving up in order to develop this. But let me let you carry on. When I was thinking about this, Always when we have a topic, like I'll spend, you know, in the back, like let it mull in the back of my head. And I thought the bigger topic is creating the life that you want, you know, and perhaps that looks like traveling all over the world and living in hotels and uh, always it being the Fairmont, of course, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) But perhaps it's also, you know, being at home with your dog and, having the, like the girl of your dreams and having redefined what your life Why looks like. Why did you like. say dog before your girl of your dreams? I just want to unpack <laughs> that quickly before Danny hears that. You can, you can quickly fix that. Quickly fix that. She, she doesn't listen to the podcast. She doesn't listen to... <laughs> oh, she doesn't. <laughs> she listens to Eric 24-7. Not another monologue from Eric. <laughs> you know, when I look at my life over the past 10 years, going from physio to digital entrepreneur to better man. Like I've worked really hard to get to the point where I'm working from home and I'm traveling to go and speak at at different places. But my life is set up in my way. I get to go play golf on a Thursday morning. And I was just like, before this, I was just in a coaching call with the client and he was saying like, you know, I want to take my Wednesday off and I want to go do, like he's into super bikes. I want to go, go spend some time on the track. And I said, isn't that exactly what we're trying to do? Like as an entrepreneur, you get to create your life. And we need to almost do those things because they're symbolic that we have created that life. And so when you were initially introing the topic of a workation, that's what I thought about is like a workation is about create the life that you want to live. I love what you're saying. I actually thank you so much because you have changed my concept around it. It's like building and designing the life you want without having to sacrifice money. And I think that's what most people do. It's like, if I'm going to play golf on a Thursday, that means I have to let go of whatever, X amount of money. And that's not the truth. The truth is, you know, the, you design the life based on what you perceive you are worthy of receiving in lieu of the 
impact you're having on the people around you and the world around you, you know? Mm. So I think that concept in itself is quite a big one. Mark and I were talking about it yesterday. He's like, you know, his life is around travel and this and that, and the money will come. And I was like, no, I think you can make even more money by doing that and by us not giving, and we've done a, a podcast on money, the number, the capacity to hold it, the direction of it, the reason you're making it, all those things that money requires can still be there and you can have an audacious number. There's nothing stopping you from having an audacious number while you're doing this. And I love what you said because my concept of a workation is being in a Fairmont and traveling and yours is playing golf on a Thursday and being with your dog, you know, slowing him down in a race. So those things are <laughs> your, your concept of a vocation which i love and mark let me before i carry on let me get you jumping well yeah i think you guys are bringing up some valid points and so the word that immediately pops to mind when you guys say what you've been saying is freedom vocation is really giving you the space to be free to enjoy your life as you see fit without having to give up whatever so for john you and i our lifestyles are a little bit more similar in that we've really enjoyed the idea of having a base somewhere. Um, both you and I, for example, have bases in South Africa. That's because of where we come from. We arrive tomorrow at the airport. We immediately know people and we are well connected in that space. We still need to give up that base. And I love South Africa. So it, I ne I've never seen it as me leaving. I don't think you've left in that way either. But then I have a base in London. I mean, I have a home now in London. I rent a place, and so my life is very much based there. You have it in Dubai. And then... No, no, hang on. I've got a house in London as well. It's called Mark Sham's um, residence. Well, all three of you. I mean, all two of you have it. And, and I think the thing there is, workation really became a thing to me. Actually, John, because you and I got speaking about it probably about three, four years ago, where you started using the term workation. I remember when it really... Uh, landed for me when I had to go to Bali for a friend's wedding, but I also had quite a bit of work to do. And then a few weeks leading up, I, I just, I was actually going to cancel the trip. And it was purely because of my mentality toward vocation. And then when I just did some logistical planning and realized that, for example, in Bali, you're a few hours ahead. So I get to wake up, chill, do my thing for a bit. I have to give up like three, not give up. I have to spend these three, four hours working. And then I get everything else that I want mm. to still do everything that I needed to do. And there was this big event coming up. And yet I was able to work. Uh, in Bali, on the beach, literally on an island called Gili Trawangan with really good internet. Mm. And there I was working. I did everything that I needed to do. And then, like, I only went missing, according to my friends, for three hours. Yes. <laughs> and this was a workation to yeah. me. And then when, when I realized that that was possible, then you start to expand. Well, what happens if you took that further? What happens if you want to have a base in London, potentially move there, come back to South Africa, but you want to keep all your businesses running as is. Mm. And that to me is now started to look like a workation. But the value for me is the freedom that I desire is the ability to travel the world. It just ignites my soul. If you want to travel less, Eric, but you also want to in that uh, travel, because you do travel, it's not like you sit at home all day. Mm. You travel, but you want to play golf and you want to go take your dog for a walk and you want to do whatever you want to do. And we can have lunch when I come back to South Africa and you're free to do that. That to me is a workation. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Tell me quickly, before you hand the, the mic back to John, is freedom your word of the year? Do you have a word of the year? No, I have a very different word of the year, which encapsulates all of this for me. It's happy. I just want to be happy. And as you guys know, I, I've recently started presenting a keynote on happiness. And happiness is broad and it's very subjective. But there's something about when you put together a keynote, when you have to teach something back to other people, you master the topic. And so I really, even though it's one word, that word happy really means a world of things uh, to me that, for example, John and I have been unpacking. Eric, you and I have been unpacking it in private, uh, but that's my word. 
Yeah, and Mark, I've got to say, I mean, listening to you, having to put that keynote together really has got you to dive deep into the subject of happiness. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. And you're doing talks around South Africa on happiness and it's all around social media. So you guys can go and follow. I've, I've heard it. So I'm, yeah. I'm fortunate yeah. to have heard Mark deliver it and it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you can pick up on Mark Sham on social media, do that and go and find the keynote. Um, he gives 200 tickets for free and then it's a small charge after that. Well worth it. Okay, so let's talk about the cons of this sort of lifestyle. Before you get there, I want to quickly just tell you something. You know, when I started creating the life that I want, and I remember it very, very well, I would book a game for a Thursday morning for golf, get to the golf course, feel guilty as hell for the mm. entire time that I'm on the golf course. <laughs> and, uh, and then at one point, what switched for me was I started feeling this is exactly what I wanted to do. So that's amazing. But the second thing was while I was playing golf, there were deals coming through. And I was like, that, yes, that's, what I, that's all I needed to get to. Because now all of a sudden you're getting exactly what you want. And it's incredible what happens once you've created the vision of what that life looks like. And often, like to Mark's point, it's not as far away as you think, like creating the life that you want. And I remember this very well from when I was like, Marnus and I was doing uh, like monthly meetings. And he would always say to me, like, what does the life of your dreams look like? And one of my big dreams was to have coffee in the morning at a coffee shop, start my day off like that. And he was like, well, why can't you do it now? And there's always like, there's always an aspect or element of the life that you want that you can create straight away. And the rest falls into place over time. But there's always something you can do today that puts you a step closer to that life. Wow, that's so smart. I love that. So because if you break down your dreams, they're usually quite big, but there's also smaller pieces in them, you know, like mm. maybe like you want to live in New York, but you also want to have a personal trainer. You can start with the personal trainer if that's really what you exactly. wanted to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Start with a small part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's very, very good. That's very smart. Uh, I'd never thought about it like that. But I guess also what happens is when you start having these audacious goals and these sort of big dreams that you're trying to drive towards, what starts happening is that you get this level of patience, you get this level of elegance and long-term thinking that says, you know, this is what I'm driving towards. You go and get stuck in the everyday stuff. You're like, okay, this is what I'm moving towards, you know? Mm. And I also think this, this concept of taking the time out to give yourself the objectivity of your life. Because, you know, we get so caught up in subjectivity, sub subjectivity. And just yesterday, I had a bit of a go with my business manager. And I was just, I was a bit irritated. I was just like, I, I was busy and she didn't do something. And I came back to my phone like a few hours later and she had properly tuned me. And I took a minute to think about it. And I was like, she's actually 100% right. And I apologized. <laughs> I sent her a voice note. I said, I'm so right. You're so right. And I had two, three hours with Mark on the beach yesterday. And it had given me a sense of objectivity. Mm. I wasn't caught up in it, you know? And I think what happens to our lives is we get so caught up in small nuances of relationships. And if we just step back, and I think what a lifestyle of vocation does, it gives you this constant opportunity to give yourself the objectivity. So when Mark arrived the first day, we went for a walk on the beach. And then we work a bit. And listen, Mark and I sat here the whole day with been working the whole day. He's been on his computer. I've been on my computer. And now after this, we're going for a walk and we're going to go and visit uh, something called Blue Waters. And so that level of objectivity, I think, becomes incredibly important in the world that we're in, which is so fast paced. Um, Mark, anything from you? Yeah, I mean, you guys have just, I mean, Eric, what you said there was just so powerful. So I want to kind of reiterate what John said in that he gave kudos to you really, just saying like, that's actually so powerful that there's always elements of what you're, the life that you want, ideally, mm that you can actually take hold of right now. And so that's why John and you and I have both been speaking about this idea quite simply that the 
mentality of vocation, the hardest thing to get your head around is your head, yeah. is your mm. thought process, is what you're used to, the stories that you tell yourself in your head. And by the way, when you go to other people with this idea, most of the time, even while meaning so, mm. people will give you, if they don't ditch it immediately, they kind of give you that look as if to say, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. And that becomes from their stories that they've been telling in themselves in their head and traditions. I heard a great one. I think you agreed with that. Traditions, peer pressure from dead people. Yeah. I love that. Peer That's, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was so epic. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you uh, that, that there are these aspects in your headspace. And it's, it's, I think it is worth talking about the cons, yeah. John. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead um, and I'm happy. Because, yeah, you, know, you know, one of the things, I'm, a, I'm just over a year in. What happened was in 2018, I went, I traveled probably 15 times out of the country. And that was all in lieu of setting up um, the move to London in 2019. And then 2019, I was all over the show. I went to more countries than ever, but I also went back to South Africa 16 times in the year. So you can work out that number. And then, and here we are in 2020, and I have only, I've worked out that on average I've been in London so far this year, um, just slightly less than half of the month. So I know that I'm at least in South Africa one week a month, then I'm traveling like I might go to Paris or wherever for a collective over the month of a week. And then I'm in London for about two weeks if I'm lucky. The downside to this is that even there, you're trying to work into a new space. Uh, you're trying to build new connections. You don't have the kind of social capital that you have in South Africa. And you're not around to build that social capital. So in a way, you also miss people's birthdays and you, miss, you get to see your friends back home but you only see them for the select time that you have. So it's very hard to build the deep and meaningful stuff. It also means that, for example, when I get back to South Africa, I have to be very wise with my time. Like, who am I going to see? Who am I going to spend deep quality time with? That means I'm only going to be able to see five or six people max on a trip, and then I won't be able to see everybody else unless they come to an event that's not quality time. So for me, just well, maybe we can go one, 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 but definitely one of the cons that I've had is, is the inability then to build these deep and meaningful relationships, which is something that is equally part of my life and part of my plan moving forward. What do you say, uh, John? One of the cons for me is the inability to keep a routine, a strict routine with training and eating and going to, you know, keeping that sort of chiseling of your routine. Even though I try, last night we were with a woman called Lillian who was at our table and she follows us on Instagram and she was saying to me, you irritate me, John. I'm like, why? She says, every time I see your Instagram, you're training. No matter where you are, it's frustrating <laughs> to see that you're so structured. So I do try and structure my life, but it's very difficult because you don't know where your workout's going to be. You don't know what the, like I was in Budapest. It was too cold to go run on the outside. So I had to go I run up and down the stairs. The hotel's <laughs> treadmills weren't working. So long story. Dedication, but well done. You, yeah, but I think the thing is, is you have to. That becomes the key because, you know, when you're traveling and on holiday, you almost like loosen your rules of what you can eat and mm. ah, don't worry, I'll work out when I get back home. But then you realize you're not home that often. So what, you're going to just work out and eat well when you're home and then everywhere else you're on the sort of like holiday mindset. And that's a big problem, you know? Listen, can I quickly tell you, I saw an article this morning that said a dude ran a marathon in his apartment because he's quarantined by the coronavirus. So wow. he actually ran, <laughs> I don't know how he did it. That's I don't know if he like ran up and down or if he just ran in one spot, but wow. he ran a, a marathon in his apartment. Wow. 
Sorry. That's unbelievable. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's, okay, I've got three cons. So the second yeah. con is the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> it starts becoming a real worry. <laughs> like the coronavirus is a serious problem. Um, you see all these zombies walking around with their masks on. I've refused to wear a mask because I think it does nothing unless you're wearing that 95% one. You mean which you, actually look like look cool. you, you want to look cool all the time. Well, it's not even it, about looking honest. cool. Let's, it's about... Let's be honest. No, no, because I think the thing honestly i think it does nothing i think it's just a a, i don't know anyway also what i what i was telling sean my friend when i was with him i said you know i had to make peace with it because i got 11 trips coming up so what do i do get scared of the coronavirus and i said to myself you know my funeral would be awesome people would say he was on top he was moving he had so much to do still and he got taken out so yeah okay okay i made peace with it so i can check out and i'm happy with that to check out at this time obviously it's not ideal but what i'm not going to not travel because of the coronavirus so that's the second con but the third con for me i think the most important con and i was speaking to gilan about this and we're talking about coming off stage and uh, having 500,000 people like really enjoying what you said and a lot of people coming up afterwards, taking pictures, signing. There's such a hype and such an energy and you're on such a high. And then you go back to your hotel room and it's just crickets. And you have to wash dishes or you have to do odd things. And it's that managing that come down from that very high, high, high to being alone. And so you spend many, many hours on a plane alone, many, many hours traveling alone. So there's this tie between solitude and loneliness that you have to keep managing. And so you, you, you need to be aware of that because in your routine, you're surrounded by people that you know and see every day, although that in itself can be fatal, but you have to be able to manage this loneliness and solitude sort of concept. So that's also some one of the cons for me that sometimes I find myself not having the network I want to have with me close by. So I've got to make a phone call. So I phone Mark, I phone you, I phone Sean. I have to phone somebody to have that sort of conversation, not having them right next to me. But I also I also think that's a brand new uh, sort of not issue, but a brand new way that we communicate around the world. I think that's happening more and more, having sort of digital connections. But that's just you know that's one of the cons. So the one that kind of like catches me from time to time. So I have two cons written down. The one is actually the patience for because I do want to be traveling more, right? So like I, I have created my life and it is the life that I want, but I also want to be traveling more, have a more international footprint. Those are things that I'm working towards. So I think there is a one of the cons is just the frustration also in waiting for that to come through and the patience for that to materialize. If that is something that you want, you know, because it can, like you, you want things to happen straight away. Like I want this life now. But the second thing is what I'll echo is feeling quite secluded. You can hear Axel in the background. Can you? That's, ex- that's Axel telling us the, the cons that he hates yeah. having his dad away from the house. That's what he's, he's saying. Telling us, language. He's telling us time is up. Start wrapping up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come play with me dad <laughs> so no it's, it's probably just uh, the postman you know seclusion dude like that's a big one for me because I, I'm working from home all day every day and like without a doubt like you just feel so cut off from the external world and obviously like I'm in Joburg I have the opportunity to go and meet with people like I, I don't have that excuse but you still kind of get caught up in your day to day just sitting in front of the computer working my whiteboard and not actually having interaction with people outside of a screen. And I actually think that's also, it's part of a bigger topic that I actually mentioned in my talk about teams is that we have this big trend that's coming through about remote work. And of course, everyone is for it. Who doesn't want to work from home? But at the same time, what happens long-term when everyone is sitting at their houses and they all seclude it and we don't have those deep, meaningful relationships because they're much harder to cultivate online for sure. So, I mean, that's maybe for another podcast as well. 
Can I jump in there with you with what you said? Um, because I think that, you know, human beings, we tend to look for silver bullets. That's our nature. Like, what is going to solve the problem? You know, to your point, in London, for example, I work a lot from home because there's peace and quiet. And to John's point, I get my routine back. I'm, uh, I'm training hard at the moment. So I've actually been one of the few people who's traveled and lost weight over the time. <laughs> and to be able to do that, I have to be very clear on going to gym. That's a priority in the mornings. I also have to be clear on what I eat. And I can't make whatever I want to eat at a WeWork, even though I'm part of one. So then I find myself splitting my day up between staying at home and giving a bit of the people around me so that I can make my own food, I can eat clean, I can get into a bit of routine. And then I'll find myself going to a WeWork in the afternoon and getting that buzz or that madness. Um, so I think you can build the, uh, the middle grounds around these around these things. You, if, you, if you take a bit of a look at where the seclusion in, in your spot, and I'm, I'm taking a bit of a leap here by saying that you might look at it, it's somewhat self-imposed. Because if you took a little bit of time objectively and worked out what, what would I do to solve that, you know, being Eric, you could solve that quite quickly. And so fine. It's just like, of course, we, you get kind of caught up in, um, in that space. And I, I think that no matter what you do in life, whether it be stay at home, get a nine-to-five job, become an entrepreneur, live in your country, move away from home. Whatever you're doing is that in life you are giving up something and you are gaining something. And it really just depends on becoming hyper clear about what are the things that make you happy, that you want, and that you know mean the world to you. So I know that I'm giving up some stuff by traveling more these days. But you know what? At 90 years old, and this is a big part of the, the internal dialogue that I've had with myself, that when I get on that deathbed, whether it be 90 or 1,000 years old in the, in the future – I'm going to look back and I really do believe that as we speak, I'll be really happy with the life that I led because for me, I, I got a bit of a balance outside of being a martyr to my business. I traveled, I did meet people, the experiences that I've had in the last two years, if I were to sit you down and just kind of share the pictures with you, they are indescribable. And when I do get the opportunity to sit down with people and just show them the, the pictures and the experiences and the videos, I can immediately see people look at me like with these bewildered eyes. They just can't believe it. And so did I have to give up some stuff to get that? Yes. But I must be honest, it was quite an easy give up. And what's valuable today won't be valuable tomorrow. So I could quite easily settle down, uh, pick any country you really want at a later point in time and have the traditional family and whatever it is that people are saying I'm missing now. I get that later if I want. But it will be really hard to do what I'm doing now later. Do you know what I mean? There's a point where if I want to have kids and I do, and you, that later I can't do that. So now I don't mind giving up some stuff. I, I get to see you less and I get to see John less, but we make it up in other ways. So I just thought I'd put that out there. Listen, to wrap us up. Okay, so I want to just say two things. One, Mark, I hope you live to 90 and or 1,000 and Corona misses you. Uh, Eric, I hope that Danny leaves you and lets you out the house eventually because you think it was him himself imposing it. It's actually Danny. He's not allowed to leave the house. <laughs> just kidding to everybody. Danny is the chain is boss. I mean, girlfriend. I mean, fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sitting at the table. <laughs> so, uh, look, it was awesome to have you, Mark. Thank you so much yes, for your wisdom. So and you've grown uh, so much. And Oh, that's another thing. This ability to move around the world, you have to start from scratch everywhere you know your character has to start rebuilding all the time i find myself <laughs> avoiding meetings in south africa and having to take every meeting i can here in dubai just to build network you know mm. so that builds a lot of character in itself you know so thank you mark it was wonderful to have you say, i wish everybody would leave home once and i don't mean leaving south africa i mean the the value of the lessons that you learn by leaving your home country and having to start over yes is life-changing yeah 
It builds character more than anything else. So I'm out of here. We're going for a walk to Blue Waters now. Eric, what you up to, brother? Dude, so I'm actually jumping on a podcast interview after this, spreading the expansive magic, and then pff, working. <laughs> okay. So that's going to be Prepping my day. the house for Danny getting home. So good luck. <laughs> you, go, you go keep the wheels of the economy turning. We're going to go for a walk. <laughs> Well, goodbye to everybody. Thank you, listeners. And uh, thank thank you. you. Also, thank you so much for all the new reviews. Jeez, we've got so many new reviews coming in. We're so happy that this is impacting so many people so much. And uh, we love them. Thank you so much for sharing them. And every time we get one, Eric posted on our WhatsApp group. And I'm like, no way. We just can't believe how amazing all the feedback is. So thank you. Listen, I was quickly, I was speaking to a client today and she was saying to me um, that every time she's in a meeting, she tells people, this is the podcast you have to go download. And she works as like organizations. And I thought that was really amazing. Like, that's yeah, what I want to hear. So yeah. thank you. Yes, you guys, uh, have done guys great seeing you. Okay, thank, thank you, Jack. Okay, thank you. Cheers, guys. Ciao, ciao. Cheers, Bye-bye. guys.